Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models of automobiles, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other things, you know, like mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? At rockauto.com, you will save money. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Best of all, Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Jerry, G-E-R-R-Y, in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Today on the Callahan Podcast, well, Bill Burr finally stepped in it. The controversial comedian, the Boston guy, was part of the pregame show of the Grammys last night, and now he's trending, now he's in trouble. We will tell you what he said. We'll tell you who he made fun of. We'll play the sound. You decide just how much trouble Bill Burr is in. Also, Marvin Hagler, obviously, world champ, great, great middleweight fighter. I will take you back to 1985, 86, and try to convey to you just a big a deal Hagler was, just how much fun it was watching Hagler in his prime in some of the great fights, one of the greatest fights ever. Hagler passed away over the weekend at the age of 66, RIP to the marvelous one. And uh, Drew Brees is walking away, which is what Marvin Hagler did. He walked away from the game, and Drew Brees is walking away at 42. Seems kind of seems kind of early compared to his uh, one Tom Edward Patrick Brady. But Drew Brees is done. We'll tell you where he ranks in my list of all-time QBs. And we now we know who the favorite for the Democrat nomination is in 2024. It's a female. It's a it's a female. It's not Kamala. It's a princess. And we will explain to you who will be running for the White House. In uh, you won't be surprised. In, uh, in a couple of years. All that on the Callahan Podcast today, brought to you by DCU. Do you love your car, but hate your car payment? No problem. F- refinance your car today with DCU, and they could help lower your monthly payment, lower your interest rate, or both. Applying is easy, and their loan experts will help you find the loan term and the payment that fits into your budget. Get out of that high-rate loan and get the interest rate and the payment you deserve from DCU. Learn more and apply today at dcu.org slash refinance. insured by NCUA. Membership required. All right, Conan, let's go. This is the Jerry Callahan Podcast. All right, well, um, I'm just going to say right off the bat, uh, Colony, that I don't think 
we should play the Bill Burr sound from last night. I, I mean, obviously, it wasn't on live TV. It wasn't on the broadcast for good reason. I had to go searching for it, and um, I, I had to make sure the family wasn't in the room, and I played it. And all I'm going to say is uh, R.I.P. Bill Burr. It, it was nice knowing you, local guy. You know, uh, <clears throat> kind of a controversial guy for much of his career, but I think it's over now. I think we can uh, uh, agree that... Um, Christopher, what's his name? Chris Harris is gone. Chris Harrison. Yep. Yeah. And, and, you know, a few other people who deserve to be gone, by the way. Drew Brees finally got rid of Drew Brees after that disgusting commentary before last season. Took a whole season to get rid of him, but finally he's gone, canceled as well. He should be. But Bill Burr, I mean, talk about over the line in this day and age. In this day, I mean, you can't say what Bill Burr said. should we just paraphrase it or you want to play it? No, I think we should play it. I mean, it is a little too hot for podcasting, but we could. Uh, yeah, we could, I mean, we it, could it is. And it, it might get us canceled. I don't know if podcast one will be happy about this, but uh, it is newsworthy. I think sometimes things like this, you have to play them as part of a news story. It's important. And I think uh, oh, well, we have an obligation as a as a uh, journalist. You know, I, I mean, I know it's opinion based, but we do have to give the news sometimes. That is true. And we did the same with the uh What's his name? Leonard Meyer, Meyer Leonard, the best guy, yep. the, the center from the Miami Heat. We played the sound. It was disgusting. It was offensive, but we, you needed to understand exactly what the controversy was all about. In this case, I'll explain. Bill Burr, for some reason, was chosen. I mean, I, mean I, I would have been dead set against it. Was chosen as a presenter for the Grammys. However, why would you be? Why would you be dead set against that? Bill Burr. He's offensive. I mean, the guy's got no class. All right? oh, I mean, oh, gotcha. I'm, I'm, I, I, when I tune into a classy event like the Grammys, I expect to see Cardi B and Megan The Stallion bumping crotches. You know, I expect. Sex. I expect to see a pole, a good pole dance from my my artists. I don't expect to see a guy come out. And make fun of a, a piano solo. That's yeah, in, in a suit, by the way, in a suit of in all a suit. suit. That's just gross. Yeah, I'm not sure if I believe him or not, but he comes out and we'll play it. We'll play, you know, warning, warning. If you want to get the kids out of the room or out of the car, or or just turn it off, feel free. You can come back again when we're through. But uh, he is a presenter in the pregame show. It's not the actual meat of the uh, show. It's not on network TV. I mean, on network TV. You got to see one super woke artist after another. And I missed this uh, last night. I was tuning in because, to be honest, there was nothing else on. And I was flipping around. My wife was interested. And we watched some of the um, super woke performances. And I'll just say, Colin, I'm coming around on Bad Bunny. I'm coming, coming around. around. Oh, yep. yeah. yeah, yeah. He Bad won. Uh, what did he win? Best Latin performer? He, won some. he came out. Yeah. He, he came out with a hat with ear, bunny ears on it. So maybe he's uh, got a sense of humor, but God, is he awful. He is awful. I think, awful. He, by the way, you, you gave his, you gave him the proper introduction. I think you were calling yes. him bad bunny. Uh, big calling bunny, big bunny but yeah. he's bad yeah. bunny and he, he's appropriately named because God, is he bad? And most of them were, it was awful. It was a woke fest. I mean, I, I don't know how much more woke than you can get the, uh, Beyond having little baby, is that one of your favorites? Little baby, little baby, yeah, that's my guy. Little yep, baby, getting pulled out of his uh, out of a car is part of a skit, and and pinned to the ground by actors who are dressed as cops. Now, and they have fake, you know, protesters, and you have the founder of BLM come out and make a speech and talk about how all cops are bad, uh, all cops are evil. I'm just going to predict here today. It's Monday. 
And I'm going to predict you're going to get the ratings. Well, actually, we'll get them any minute now, probably overnights. And it'll be an all-time, it'll be awful. It'll be all-time worst. It was awful. I mean, the whole thing was, and, and, and by the way, I'm going to predict another thing, just as an aside. I'm going to predict now that someday we're going to find out Trevor Noah is a complete fraud, that he's, he's not from South Africa. He's faking that accent. I mean, I, and he was, grew up in Brooklyn or he grew up in you know Boston, but he's, he, 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 I, I always feel like he's performing and he's kind of exaggerating the accent and he doesn't really think what he says. He just, he's, he's reading a script, but anyway, he was the host and, and I did a fine job uh, introducing all these super woke artists so they could uh, make their speeches and, and, you know, bring out her, uh, you know, H-E-R, that's her name, H-E-R. Yep. Who's awful, by the way. Came, went out and talked about how we, we have to keep fighting like we did last summer. Like, I, you know, we have to keep, I guess, you know, looting and rioting. And by the way, they're doing it in Portland and Seattle. They're doing it. They're doing it what you want. But back to Bill Burr. Bill Burr comes out and says, I'm not sure. I, I'm, I thought I was going to be on TV. Do you think he really thought he was going to be on the actual broadcast and he, not on the pregame show that isn't no. on the broadcast? I think he knew exactly what he was walking into that day. I think, I think the whole thing, it turned out, this is just, this is just a gut feeling. It turns out a comedian was trying to be funny on, on you know, why, whatever, wherever they were being broadcast, a comedian was trying to be funny is all that was now, happening last night. Somebody hired him. Somebody said, yeah. I need you. I want you to be a presenter. So they knew what they were getting. And I initially, you're if you're on Twitter or just on social media, you see it trending. You see Bill Burr trending. And I'm telling you, I spent 10, 15 minutes trying to find out what he did to trend because there were people who were offended, who were upset that he was even a part of the broadcast. And good luck trying to find the offensive part, the disgusting part. And again, this was part of a pregame show. And in the actual show, you had Megan the Stallion and, uh, and, and, and Cardi B bumping, bumping. Uh, it's amazing what we find offensive in this world is. when you're comparing you had, two things. Yeah. Hanging off of stripper poles and pretending to do all kinds of provocative things. That was part of the broadcast. Part of the pregame show that wasn't on the network, Bill Burr came out and made fun of a piano solo. Do I have that right? Yes. Bill Burr. <laughs> okay, thank you, Janae. How are you? Was I the only one who wanted to kill himself during that piano solo? Uh, <laughs> I bought a suit for this. I thought I was going to be on TV. I'm such a moron. I am losing so much money right now. All right, shout out to all the rock stars that I wanted to That was That was round one. That was how it was. It the piano started. solo, which I saw some people that didn't like that. I don't know if you know who played the piano before he came out, but it was apparently a long and tedious solo, and he didn't like it. And you hire Bill, Barr, Bill Burr, you get something like that. That wasn't, I mean, clearly that's not over the top. I don't even know who the piano player was, but so what? That's what Bill Burr is there for, to make fun of people. And I, I, I get the sense that the people, I don't know how big the audience was. They had socially distanced audiences and you should, they kept showing the Nashville audience where everybody was at different tables with their masks on. And there was some applause, obviously some live, well not live, but some applause. And I assume they had the same thing in LA for, uh, for Bill Burr, but you have to know he's there to get those uncomfortable 
reactions. That's, that's his job to get an uncomfortable reaction from the crowd. And he knows it and we know it, but the people there don't know it. They expect everyone to come out and just well, the say, pers- the person who hired him knew it. The person who hired him <laughs> said, Oh, we're going to get some social media reaction the way Ricky Gervais gets it on the Oscars. Right. Like they know it's true. And, and they don't have to put it on network TV while they do it. That's true. Except it wasn't really funny. You know, no. it was uncomfortable, but did you find that funny? No, I didn't. I mean, I didn't. Well, Rick, I just kind of, I do kind of just find, I do kind of just find his like presentation funny for some, you know what I mean? Like the way he's kind of yeah. got this, he's got this like arrogant uh, awkwardness to him as opposed to like, he, he's like the opposite Conan O'Brien where he's like dorky, awkward. He's like and confident, awkward. He's confident, know? awkward. And he does this just to make you uncomfortable. That's, yeah. I mean, he's, he's going for laughs obviously, but if he can't get laughs, he'll just make you uncomfortable. That's his job. And that's what he does so well. Uh, he did it on Saturday Night Live, although that was kind of overrated. He made fun of white women, which is easy to do. In this case, and I don't even know if he did this intentionally, but he gave the award for Best Tropical Latin Album. <laughs> you choose Bill Burr to give the award for Best Tropical Latin Album. Are there like tropical uh, or, or other Latin albums that aren't tropical? Uh, tropical's got to be a music genre, though, right? Okay, tropical? so I, I assume reggae, why can't they just call it reggae? Reggae is kind of tropical because you need more categories. You need to drag yeah. it out. I assume that Bad Bunny won this, right? Because he's tropical Latin That's and, he, and he's yeah. and he's awesome. But anyway, Bill Burr actually he didn't win because that would have been easy to pronounce. Bill Burr gave the award out and butchered the name, which we don't know again if that was on purpose, but that offended some people. By the way, he's still trending. Uh, the latest 37,000 tweets of people who were offended by Bill Burr, <laughs> who wasn't, again, even on the broadcast and didn't rub his, his crotchal region against the stripper pole. That wasn't him. That was someone else on the broadcast. But he butchered the name of the winner of the best tropical Latin album. Let's hear more from Bill Burr. Same. Natalie, Natalie, what? All right. Uh, <laughs> and the winner, uh, the Grammy goes to... Natalia Lafourcade. <laughs> Dude, you. Oh, I will. Oh, sorry. I will accept on behalf of her. If I butchered her name, I'm sorry. Natalie, you won. Natalia. For best tropical. That was that was round two. That's it. That was the second thing. That's it. He just. Uh, he didn't. Did he even butcher her name? Who knows? Who's that? I don't know. Yeah. Best tropical Latin album. Again, you pick Bill Burr, you hire him to do this. This is what you get. I can't believe people are actually, you know, surprised. I was hoping for be uh, I was hoping to be something a little more offensive, a little you know, genuinely offensive uh that would be uh the headline the following day. It is amazing that the trending is Bill Burr's trending, but Megan Stallion and Cardi B's uh duet, whatever you call it, WAP this is, a, by the way, this is capping off a week or this is following a week where Dr. Seuss was canceled six of his books uh, for offensive whatever, because they had some guy with a turban in one of his books. You cancel that book. Uh, Pepe Le Pew and Speedy Gonzalez were canceled. And you got to see um, a, a performance like uh, Cardi B. And uh, and Megan Stallion, a song called "WAP," which is an how, acronym. how else could you do it? Like it, w- it literally was the biggest song of the year. So how can you? How else can you do it? You can't like just have them. I don't know what, why not just perform. have them take their clothes off? I mean, they're you're pretty close. You're doing a stripping a stripper performance. 
go for it. But the song is WAP, W-A-P. Uh, we all know what that stands for. It just seems amazing. And I know I tweeted about it and everyone else did. It seems amazing that that's the song of the year, a song about her uh, wet uh, private parts um, on the week when Pepe Le Pew was canceled for trying to kiss a a cat Pepe Le Pew is this a cartoon skunk if you're just tuning in same week Chris Harrison was um fired essentially from the bachelor a lot of the same viewers watching the grand did, that, did that come out over, over the weekend because we didn't talk about that on, yes it on came out over the weekend yeah. that he will yeah. not be back I assume Emmanuel Ocho Acho whatever it, it will take his place Chris Harrison who did absolutely nothing on a scale of one to a hundred hundred being the worst being like what Nick Cannon said Zero being some saying nothing. He was zero. He said nothing offensive. He did nothing offensive. He he offended nobody, essentially offended nobody, and he lost his job. That would be one of the more outrageous examples of cancel culture. But how'd you like to be Chris Harrison sitting home watching this last that night? Actually, that actually shocked me over the week. I know you weren't shocked. I don't think you're ever shocked by this stuff anymore. But that one actually shocked me because Chris Harrison literally is the bachelor. You know what I mean? Like he is the brand of the bachelor. I'll take your word for it. I yeah. haven't watched a lot of Bachelor, but I mean I saw read his first of all statements uh asking, pleading for uh, grace, compassion, forgiveness. It was, you know, the ultimate uh olive branch conciliatory uh, uh comments um toward the former contestant who was at an antebellum party. He did nothing wrong, said nothing wrong. But the woke mob went after him, and they generally get what they come. And 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 then he apologized. He begged for forgiveness. It was one of the most pathetic performances. I have no sympathy for him. He he. he the only he, way it makes sense is if he just swallowed his pride, right? He swallowed his pride because ABC executives were like, "Okay, here's what's going to happen. We're going to do one season without you, and we'll revisit this halfway through and see what the tone is. We'll do some stupid uh, you poll. Never, you know never, what I mean? Some focus so, group." So he lost his job for doing nothing wrong and and then apologizing for doing nothing wrong. And he apologized and, and hired a, what was it called? A racial coach or something. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> you know, went to sensitivity training for doing nothing wrong. That's how insane this thing has gotten. And he still lost his job. We could have told him you weren't, you could apologize and you did. And, and you apologized profusely and you begged for mercy from these people. We could have told you, Chris, they weren't going to show any mercy. They were coming after your ass. They got your ass and you're out. And um, you had plenty of time to relax at home and watch WAP or watch. Or watch. You, you will not see a, an apology because, first of all, we can't figure out what the hell the problem was. But you will not see an apology out of Bill Burr today. That no, is a guarantee. It's actually amazing that Bill Burr has reached the heights that he has because he literally doesn't give a shit about anything. That like, and. and and you know what? You're absolutely right. The, the the appeal is, and you said it. The attitude, the go, you know, go screw yourself attitude. It's not always the funniest. Like, I mean, if you're watching a you know comedic performance, and similar to Dave Chappelle, it's not always the humor. In fact, oftentimes it's not. It's not that funny. The appeal is the double middle finger. The appeal is, you know, go screw yourself. You know, I'm not apologizing. I'm not giving an inch. Um, the headline of the New York Post is Bill Burr predicts predicts feminists will go nuts over his Grammy appearance, and why will why will feminists? So it's a Actually, great. Let me play. Let me play that cut because even though that wasn't, it didn't feel like last night. This is what got him in trouble. It was the stupid piano line of right. all things. But this was one of his lines that that people are talking this morning at least. 
All right. Hey, how many uh, feminists are like going nuts? So how, why is this cis white male doing all this Latino stuff? Uh, and the Grammy ghost. That's, that's the, yeah, that's that's the, the one. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. The, the, and the lead of the New York Post story is why is this cis white male doing all this Latino stuff? That's it. And he said, feminists are going to go nuts. And maybe he's right. But wouldn't that be amazing if there were uh, an organized protest or uh, of feminists who were offended by Bill Burr, but not by Cardi B? Yeah. <laughs> this <laughs> that is would this, be incredible. And this is going to put him to the test in, in some ways, just because like I remember, do you remember his interview? I think it was with your guy, uh, Bill Maher. I think it was with Bill Maher. And he was Bill Maher was saying, everybody hates you. And he was like, who hates me? What are you talking about? And Bill said, the entire social media thinks you're just absolutely ridiculous for the things you say. And he's like, that's 20 people on Twitter. Shut up. This is probably the first time that tw like he actually is number one trending worldwide. Does and he respond to it? This will prove out whether or not he cares. I don't think he will. I think he's going to stay as consistent as possible across the board. It, but this, this, this is the biggest I've seen him trend, at least. And then. And, and unfortunately for Bill, and, you know, I, I, I like him. I mean, again, it's not always that funny. This isn't even funny. <laughs> it's not funny or offensive. It's just the fact that he was hired, the fact that he went out there and gave an award. He's got people upset. And, again, I would ask you if you're going to look at Bill Burr's, the clip of Bill Burr this morning. I think you should look at the clip at Little Baby as well, who pretends to get um, – beaten up or brutalized by the cops who pretends he's, uh, I don't know, uh, George Floyd, or, I mean, they were, they were, uh, I, I think they were emulating the Rashad, um, what's his name in Atlanta, who was, um, asleep at the Wendy's because when the cops come up to the car with, with little baby in it, he's asleep. And then they pull him out. They don't show the part where, uh, Rashad shoots a, a taser, steals the taser from the cop oh, and then shoots Rashad Brooks. Rashad Brooks. They leave that out. They leave the yeah. part out where he tases the, tries to tase the cops, and they just have the cops pin him to the ground, and they have a BLM founder talk about how uh, cops are awful and everyone's racist. And by the way, Bill Burr, I think, was the only white guy in the whole broadcast. I mean, the thing went on for three hours. It was Bill Burr and Taylor Swift were the two, the only two, two white people. But I, I saw people online too, because I, I don't look at this stuff, so I don't give a shit. But people were saying like, "You're going after Bill Burr, who's who's married to a black woman, and all this right. stuff." And and he never talks about that side of it. He never brings that up. He shouldn't, because yeah. the fact that he uh, just upsets these people for nothing is yep. the, is the real is the real art here. This is what. He's, he's not cracking you up the way, I don't know, Chris Farley would. He's not yeah. making you just laugh hysterically. He's making you uncomfortable. That's what he does. Makes everyone a little uncomfortable. And I guess I'll give whoever is in charge of hiring presenters, I'll give them credit for bringing yeah. him in. I mean, he does. Everyone else was boring and forgettable. And Bill Burr didn't even take the stage with his mask. Don't you know? Didn't you learn anything from President Biden, Bill? You're supposed to. It's all performance art. You take the stage and you slowly peel the mask off from behind your ears to show everyone that you care. It's an act of love. It's an act yeah. of patriotism. Wearing your mask in front of the camera, even though there's no one with 100 feet of you. Bill, I'm disappointed in you. But we'll see. How the, we, we'll we've, talked about, we've talked about Bill Burr before and just like, I'm sure he's one of the hardest working guys out there. I swear, I swear like on his, on his comedy tours, I bet he is, you know, one of the hardest working guys out there. He comes off so friggin' 
lazy. Every podcast he does. Now he has like two more because his first one got so big, which is what people do, right? They, they, you know, their first one gets big. So they watch another one with another buddy of theirs. He just feels like he's like just sitting behind a camera like us right now and then just talks. It's amazing. I used to listen to it and he, I think they call it like the Monday morning, whatever podcast. And he just literally gets out of bed and starts recording and say, you know, like in the fall, he'll say, man, did you see that game yesterday? And I thought the, uh, uh, Patriots going to win that one. And, you know, he'll just and his kids asleep and his wife's asleep and he's talking early in the morning and he puts it out and he gets a million clicks. It's not all that funny, but it's just a guy talking about his life. His and, diary, for God's sakes! Like yeah, I don't even, I don't even think he's booking guests like comedian friends. No, he does sometimes, but I don't think he wants to. I think sometimes they say, "Can you talk to this guy who has a new TV show?" And say, all right, I'll do it, but. He, 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 I don't want to say mails it in because it's obvious that he's mailing it in. Mailing it in would be, it's just him, yeah. stream of consciousness, babbling about his life. And he must be amazed that people click on it and pay for it and <laughs> yeah. advertise on it. But it's working for him. And again, uh, I like the fact that he he likes making people uncomfortable. That's a gift. As uh, you know, c- certain people, they like the fact that other people don't like them. It's not, it doesn't work that way for many people. Usually people like George Costanza, people have to like me. George Costanza says it bothers him. If they don't only a handful of people genuinely uh, revel in the fact that they're hated and the fact that people are uncomfortable around them. And that would be Bill Burr's greatest gift. He makes people uncomfortable around him. And that was the case last night. I wish you, you know, you're right. It is kind of lazy, that wasn't very funny, you know, just making fun of the piano solo. That's seemed to me that was a spur of the moment thing. That was just yeah. off the cuff. It, and I think uh, he could have worked a little harder maybe to come up with a, a, a funny one liner or two. Are <laughs> but, you gonna work are you gonna work too hard on the pregame show of an already like failing in the ratings award show year after year after maybe, year? You maybe he was pissed that they didn't have him on the regular show. Maybe he did indeed think he was gonna be on the regular show. And you know what he should have been. He should have been because, you know, it's all about diversity for me. I would like to see a little diversity and to have an old, a middle-aged, bald white guy from Boston. I think you know, he would have, you know, I would have hit home with me. I would have been like that kid who, you know, that young black kid who watched Tiger Woods win the Masters and said, I can do that. I would looked at, I would have looked at the middle-aged, bald white guy and said, man, maybe someday I could do that. He would have been inspiring. But no, they stick them on the stupid pregame show, which I assume you had to get online to see. Is that how that works? Yeah, they probably broadcast it on Twitter or something like that. And nobody watched yes. it. Yes, and nobody watched it except once it was trending. They said, oh, let me check that out. So it, whoever hired Bill Burr knew what they were doing. I commend them. Hats off to you. Yeah. Because other than that, I, you know what? I shouldn't say other, there, there, were, there were other things that were notable that were trending. And they were mostly uh, super woke. and. Uh, like like the BLM founder and the and the little baby getting dragged out of his car and that kind of, and the speeches about how we have to you know continue the fight and continue the the you know the whole summer of uh, rioting and looting and protesting we need to bring that back this summer I think that was the message from uh from H E R or her I don't even know you're supposed to call her H E R or H or her or what do you call I call her, her. I call, call her. her good yeah. good and you know Bad Bunny. Uh, he was, he was, you know, he was everything. It was everything. The ratings will suck. 
the, the people clicking, trying to find what Bill Burr said, they'll outnumber the people actually tuned in and watch the show. But uh, the ratings will suck. But it's it's all built for social media now. Like there was a lot of good performances. Say what you want. I actually love that. Do you see that Bruno Mars one? Did you watch that back at all? The, the tribute to Little Richard. Uh, whatever the, the one where he was wearing the outfit. He, he has a new album out that's like very old school sounding and stuff. But he is an entertainer. Like he, he is, he, and yeah, uh, he is I saw Port, Portnoy tweeted this. He said he would be the greatest uh, wedding band ever because he would <laughs> yeah. get everyone happy and singing yeah. and dancing. But they did a tribute. I will say this: this would be my favorite part. I didn't have a lot of favorite parts, but the tribute to the dead, deceased people who died in 2020, and obviously Noah Noah Trevor said they you know they all died of COVID. They didn't, but uh, whatever. A lot of people died, and they showed them. And they did a tribute to some of them. Lionel Richie did a tribute to his best buddy, uh, Kenny Rogers, which was nice. Um, and Brand, uh, Brandy Carlisle, who I love, she's uh, got a great voice. She did a tribute to John Prine, which was the best part. I, again, I didn't see the whole broadcast, but this was really, really good. And Bruno Mars did a tribute to Little Richard, where he dressed like him and looked like him and sang, I don't know, Good Golly, Miss Molly. Uh, or Lucille or whatever, one of his hits or both of his hits or all of his hits. I don't know. It was a kind of a trick and it was really well done. You're right. Bruno Mars, he can do it. He can bring it. And uh, I like that. It's always cool at the Oscars when they do the tribute to the dead people and you forget, you know, who died and you forget who, you know, some of these people are, you don't even know who some of them are, but it was a nice tribute. And my, uh, my, and that would be, that would be my favorite part. It was a little classier than, uh, Cardi B singing about her uh, wet uh, private parts. Yeah. What was the, uh, what was the, I, I missed the Kenny Rogers one. What was the Kenny Rogers song? Do you remember? Lady. Wasn't the uh, best Kenny Rogers song. Yeah. I will rank my Kenny Rogers songs anytime you want. But uh, uh, I think in that spot, you go through the years personally. That's just, I, that, that'd be I, I would have, I would have liked to have seen, uh, who, um, there's so many good ones. I'm just, stopped in to see what condition my condition was in. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would have been my choice. But Kenny Rogers and Milan Ritchie were buddies. Yep. And he, I think Kenny Rogers wrote it for him, correct? Is that how that song worked? I, be, I believe and so, At yeah. the end, you're supposed to say, we love you, we miss you, Kenny, and that's what he did. So it was kind of a s emotional uh, a tribute song. I guess you don't pick someone that's something that's that doesn't connect the two of you, Lionel Ritchie and, and Kenny Rogers. It worked. It worked. And, uh, and you know, the whole thing worked the whole tribute to dead people. So I give them that, but anyway, enough, enough, enough of the, uh, the Grammys. I'm sitting there talking about a, a show that's going to have crappy ratings and, uh, spending 20 minutes talking about it. Hang on. Hold that thought. I got to talk about a great new sponsor. GovX uniform professionals sign up to serve causes greater than themselves. If you've ever served in the military, law enforcement, firefighting, or frontline medical communities, you are eligible for free membership at govx.com. The greatest online shopping site for Americans of service like you. Your job demands a lot from you, from deployments to long shifts and the dangerous situations most people don't have the courage to face. There's a reason why GovX believes service-minded patriots like you deserve special recognition. GovX.com delivers the deals on all the gear you need for your on- and off-duty life. Register at GovX for instant access to discounts on epic brands like Oakley, Yeti, Garmin, Vortex Optics, Benchmade, Danner, and more. 
This site was built exclusively for the men and women who serve our country and communities. That's why every month GovX supports nonprofits serving the military, first responder, or law enforcement communities. We don't just thank you for your service. We honor it. Signing up is fast, easy, and totally free. Become a member today and use Callahan for $15 off your first order of $50 or more. GovX.com, savings for those who serve. Every Monday I do this. Every Monday I say there's so much to get to, so many things to talk about, and I um, and I don't get to everything. We got to get to Marvin Hagler because I was there. I lived it, man. I lived it. And, and Hagler, it was a surprise. I didn't know Marvin Hagler was, was – I didn't even know he was in New Hampshire. I know he moved to Italy way back when and kind of disappeared. I always kind of gave him credit for that. He wasn't – addicted to the limelight like a lot of former boxers like a lot of former athletes he didn't need to be uh you know famous anymore and he wasn't i know he was in movies when he went to italy i never saw one of them have you ever seen him in a movie i have never seen him in a movie i, no. I, 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 thought, he went, I thought he went to italy because uh the, america was racist even though he <laughs> no, i don't think that was the reason there might have been some reason that was uh um, shall we say, um, not well known, like oh, been, you know, some kind of <clears throat> I don't know, lawsuits or warrants or anything like that. But okay. we never quite knew. Maybe we never know. We'll never know exactly why he didn't fight Ray Leonard again. That was always a real frustration to me. Let, let me just say, and I tweeted about this, and I got unbelievable reaction because people like your age don't know how big a deal he was. I mean, he was obviously a great fighter. He was a champion. <clears throat> he held all the middleweight belts for seven years. He was, he was a spectacular fighter and in, in the hall of famer and all that, but you, you don't even understand how big he was. Cause it's hard to imagine a fighter, even from Boston, Boston area being as big as, you know, the Patriots, Celtics, Bruins, Red Sox, but he was, he was and the year. Um, in, in 85 is where he fought and beat Tommy Hearns. <clears throat> it was three rounds. It was one of the great fights ever. If you haven't seen it, just go to YouTube and watch it. You will not believe how much action there was. Hell, you wouldn't, you'll never see a first round like this. Go watch the first round, three minutes of action. And somebody said this probably more than a, a few people said this over the weekend is that fight felt like a movie fight. It felt like a Rocky fight. Like they, they choreographed the thing and it was special effects. It wasn't, it was a real fight and it was, and, and I will tell you what happened. Tommy Hearns and Marvin Hagler met title fight in, in 1985. And these, these guys made a deal. They, they, they had an arrangement unspoken unsaid, but they were going to go for it. There would be no dancing. There'd be no, tap dancing and, and, and patience and waiting and feeling the other guy out. They would go for it and they did boom, right at the start, they started swinging and one of them would go down. That's how it was going to work. And they would go down early and they would go down like a champ. And I, I said this and I believe it. I, I think Hearns gained more respect, earned more respect in defeat against Hagler than Leonard did in victory uh, two years later. Hearns and Hagler went at it. They were bloody. I mean, you have to see it. You got to go watch it. It was just the most spectacular uh, uh, event. Hagler won, won the title, survived. It was a brutal three rounds, and it was a, a great, great victory. I believe at that point, that was like his 61st. He won 62 fights. That was number 61. So he had one more win in him, 
And again, it was a spectacular, brutal fight against John the Beast Mugabe. I was there in March of 1986. And I'll just tell you about 1986 and try to explain, try to convey how big a deal it was. In 1986, the Patriots went to the Super Bowl against the Chicago Bears. Now, we don't have to get caught up in you know how it all went. It was one of the worst, most one-sided blowouts in Super Bowl history, but it was you have to understand what the Patriots did. They'd been, you know, doormats. They've been a joke. They've been a joke of a franchise for most of their first 26 years at that point. They went to the Super Bowl by winning three road games in the playoffs, upsetting three teams. They beat the, they squished the fish. You know, they, they, they beat the, the Raiders. They beat, they went on the road and won three playoff games to earn, um, a, a matchup with the great Chicago Bears, the 85 Bears, the great one of the great defenses ever. They got their asses kicked in the Super Bowl, but the ride, the run to the Super Bowl was the most unlikely and amazing run, and the whole area was just on fire. Uh, into this Patriots run, it really did feel like something, you know, magical going on. That was eight, That was January, or yeah, the end of January. In March, Hagler fought Mugabe 11 rounds, uh, uh, TKO. Mugabe was tough and mean and nasty. And Hagler, this was his first title defense in own. I mean, um, yeah, first title defense after Hearns, and it was his only, his last win. But it, but and then in um, June, Celtics beat the Rockets for the NBA title, and then in October, the Red Sox went to the World Series, went seven games against the Mets. These are all like storybook. Uh, you know, event seasons for these teams and Hagler was right in the middle of it. And it was, it might not have been as big as, you know, the world series, but it felt like it belonged in the discussion. Hagler was the fifth uh, professional team in Boston. And he had an incredible run and his fights, at least for the, you know, when he was on top were huge events. And I watched, I was at the Mugabe fight in Vegas, but I watched the Hearns fight at the Lowell Memorial auditorium closed circuit TV. It was like at the Orpheum with the garden. It was at the Worcester Centrum. It was at the Lowell Auditorium and people bought tickets to watch it on TV and went wild. It was like you were there. And I was reminded Saturday night by a friend of mine who went, who I went with that Mickey Ward was on the undercard. He was fighting live. And then Hagler Hearns on TV was the main event. And it was just a wild night and a wild thing that you could go you know, drink beer, eat popcorn with your friends and watch this on a big screen. And this guy said, and he had a better, he has a better memory than I said. It felt like the whole building was going to collapse in the third round. When, when Hagler knocked out Hearns, it was so wild, unfortunately. And I telling you his, his fight with Leonard, which we waited a long time for was huge. And it was so frustrating. And a lot of people were reaching out to me over the weekend saying he was robbed. And I wish I could say I agreed. I don't. I, I scored it. I, I, it was close. I think I had it 115, 113. There were about two-thirds of the people, the media covering it, said Hagler won close decision. And one-third said Leonard. Believe me, I was rooting for, for Hagler. I liked him. I liked this whole crew, the Petronellis. I liked everything about the whole Hagler experience and to i would explain it this way he wasn't and i said this over the weekend he wasn't as big as brady or bird clearly 
but it was close and it was similar. The appeal of Hagler was similar to the appeal or part of the appeal of Brady and Bird in that he had an underdog story. You know, Brady was the six round pick. Bird was this, you know, white trash, you know, cocky kid from Indiana, who, you know, with an attitude and people just loved that about him and loved to be, you know, on the ride with him when he went and just kicked ass and, and won titles and MVPs in the, in the NBA. And they loved everything, you know, when he said things and, and butchered the, you know, the, the language, they loved that stuff. Hagler was similar. He wasn't an Olympian. He wasn't a chosen one. He had to fight for everything he had. He grew up in, in Newark and left Newark, New Jersey after the riots and moved to Brook, uh, moved to Brockton, had the Petronelli's as his trainers. These are local guys and never abandoned them, never moved to Vegas or Atlantic city, never dumped them for some more, someone more famous. And he had to, and he fought forever before he got a chance to fight for the title. And he never had the respect or the, 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 the glamor of a Sugar Ray Leonard or even a Hearns. I mean, he just didn't. And he just had to fight and scrap for everything they gave him. And then when he finally got the chance, he won the title in his, like I said, 65th fight was against Hearns and then fought Mugabe and then made a lot of money. But it was a, 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 a long, hard road. He, I mean, he used to train down the Cape. I think it was Provincetown or Truro. And he would run on the beach in, in, in army boots. And it was like watching real life Rocky. That's the way he did it. You know, he did it with his hometown trainers in, in new England, in the cold, in the whatever, and run on the beach in in army boots where, you know, Ray Leonard would be the opposite. He'd be whatever in Vegas and have all the, the people, the media around him fawning over him. And, and Leonard was a dink. I mean, he was just a, uh, and it, 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 I really wanted Hagler to just kick the crap out of him. It didn't happen. And the most frustrating thing of all was there was never a rematch. Boxers never walk away. They never just leave the game, go away, live happily ever after. But Hagler did that. I mean, he was such an exception to the rule. He could have fought Leonard. Leonard told him they would get $25 million each. That's 50-50 if they did a rematch rematch leonard wanted the rematch Hagler didn't he walked away and i guess maybe he in the end he left leonard hanging and leonard was frustrated but so were Hagler fans we wanted a rematch we wanted what's the what's the story behind turning that down i read a lot over the weekend about it just because it was interesting you know after hearing the news and it just looked like just the constant boxer with a chip on his shoulder he he thought he screwed yeah. You know, he thought he got screwed and he didn't want to, you know, give anyone the satisfaction of coming back and giving him that big event, the promoters, the, you know, the, the media, he didn't want to come back and he didn't. And I always thought he would drag it out, but he would come back maybe too late. Cause that's what every, that's what the fighters, I mean, he's in a middleweight division with Roberto Duran, who was fighting when he was like, you know, 60 years old and fat. I mean, these guys just never give up, never walk away. Except in this case, Hagler did it. He walked away. Jesus, what's what's twenty five million dollars in today's world? Well, I know like, that's true. That's true. Oh and, and maybe he could have gotten more. And I think he'd have been favored. I know he would have been favored, and I think he would have won because he would have fought differently. The frustrating thing is that Hagler lost to Leonard. And watching it, if you watch like the first four rounds, you're going to sit there and say, "What are you doing, Marvin? Go get him!" He danced. He let Leonard, you know, fight his fight. He let Leonard have these flurries at the end of the round, kind of stealing the round. He never went in for the kill or not till it was too late. 
I mean, you just wanted him to put him in the corner and pound him and, and pound the smirk off Leonard's face. And he never did. It was maddening to this day. It's frustrating because, you know, Leonard, uh, um, you know, Leonard dragged this out forever. Didn't give him the, give him a shot and didn't, you know, want to do the fight because he thought he'd lose. And he, and he didn't, he, he, he beat Leonard, he beat Hagler in a decision. And it was frustrating. One of the judges had it like by eight points, which was ridiculous. And maybe there was some, know, something dirty going on. But if you watch it, you'll get frustrated. You'll be like, why can't he attack Leonard the way he attacked Hearns? He didn't. I don't know why I was there for that. And it was maddening. It was maddening. Cause you know, like I said, couldn't stand Leonard. I kind of liked Marvin. Marvin was just old school and it was, his, you know, he was no, no pretense, no phoniness to him. It was a pleasure covering him, watching him, covering his career, dealing with the, the Petronellis and others. Um, it was, it was old school Rocky stuff and it was real. And unfortunately he never came back and kicked Leonard's ass. And, That'll always be a little frustrating, but people just loved what the, you know, the whole Hagler experience was a blast. People don't understand that now because there is no, there's no boxing. You know, I mean, no, I was going to say that the, just the clips going around over the weekend of that, that first round fight with Hearns was like, if that happened today, right. that you want to talk about Bill Burr trending, that would be the most insane thing. In, it in it almost seems history. like something they would outlaw, you know, like in this yeah. day and age where everyone's worried about CTE and, Head injuries and these guys just pounded each other. Well, I know you like this. You, you tell me all the time I kiss ba uh, Barstool's ass, but like that's why rough and rowdy is kind of cool. I don't necessarily care that it's like these no namers fighting, but it's that they just go out there and they're just swinging. You know what I mean? Like they're going for the fences every single round, and that's entertaining to me. That's what this felt like, except in a way more professional. These, these guys were great yeah. fighters with not an ounce of fat on them, just yeah. ripped and conditioned, and just going at it. And you just it's it's exhausting watching it and they're both bloody and you say the fight is going to be stopped soon because of blood and just and if Hagler doesn't go in and, and take him out he's going to lose he was all bloody and by the way kudos to uh, Richard Steele the uh, ref who never got in the way just let it happen it was great officiating that's for every you know every sport should look at Richard Steele in this fight and say that's how it's done stay out of the way let these great performers do their thing it was a blast and uh i i don't know what the circumstances are i didn't hear anything about him being sick or anything and uh he was always in good shape even when he was old he kind of disappeared went to italy made movies came back got remarried i don't know what his life was like i don't know what what he died of i don't know if we can find out the rumors on twitter uh and other places were that he just got vaccinated how about that? If we find out that somehow he had a bad reaction to the vaccine, that won't be good uh, for a country that's trying to get people to take the vaccine, trying to get a lot of uh, African-Americans and people and minorities to, to take the vaccine. If we find out Hagler, and that was the rumor with Hank Aaron too, by the way, who was a lot older than, than Hagler, but he had just got vaccinated just before he died. Maybe it's totally unrelated. Hopefully it is, but I'd love to hear more about what Hagler was doing in his final days, living up in New Hampshire He'd lived there. He had a house there forever. He had a house there when Aram was trying to make the um, rematch with Leonard. He went up with the Petronellis to New Hampshire to wherever uh, uh, um, Hagler's house was and tried to hammer out the deal and couldn't get it done and never got it done. It's just kind of a regret that uh, we never got to see Hagler get his revenge on Sugar Ray Leonard. That will always be disappointing, but Hey, 
He did it, did it his way. And he walked away from the sport, which again, nobody ever does. Everyone keeps coming back until their brains are scrambled and they're, and they're embarrassing themselves. I just wanted one more fight. Is that asking too much? Huh. One more fight. Hagler Leonard two. That's, uh, you know, I, I want, I still want one more fight after just watching that social media of that one round. I, that, I, cause that, I see, I missed that whole, that whole fight. That three, you know? that three rounds against her and she, I don't think we'll ever see it again. It is literally. Look at the assholes we're like forced to root for in boxing now. It's just, it just sucks. Like those yeah. were, those had to be the good days. It was just so real. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of bullshit with boxing and a lot of, you know, people glomming on and a lot of questions about fixing and Vegas and everything else. But these two were just so real. Two guys out there in their boxer shorts, just battling to the death, not death, quite not, not quite death, but battling until one guy went down and it was just a, it was a blast. But anyway, I'll give you one guy um, who is walking away and not going to drag this out. I mean, he's not going to embarrass himself at least not any further. He lost his last game to Tom Brady, but Drew Brees is walking away and I'll give him credit for that. Let me, uh, let's talk about Drew Brees after we talk about Shake Concrete. Let me tell you what Shake can do for you. They can build your retaining wall. Did you know that Shake Concrete is the largest manufacturer of recon retaining wall systems in North America? Well, you do now. In fact, in 2020, Shea set a new company record when they man manufactured 178,000 square feet of retaining wall. This is a testament to Shea's legendary teamwork from engineering to manufacturing to dispatch and delivery. As the guys at Shea like to say, teamwork makes the teamwork. They do. I've seen them. I've been around them when they say that. Shea Concrete's high-performing precast concrete retaining walls stand up to New England's active climate and come in a wide variety of shapes designs and textures to meet your retaining wall needs. So whether you need a residential, a commercial or an industrial application, Shea has a dedicated team that will assist you with conceptual design, site walks and installation. Let Shea show you the way. Call Shea Concrete at 800-696-SHEA. That's 800-696-SHEA or just log on to SheaConcrete.com. What's better than courtside seats? Free sports on Pluto TV. Hey, sports fans, get all your sports free on Pluto TV. Pluto TV is your home for sports. Watch 24-7 channels of MLB, MLS, MMA, sports news and analysis, plus documentaries, TV shows, and movies, all for free. No signups, no fees, no contracts, ever. Download the free Pluto TV app on any device. I guess I want to give Drew Brees credit for walking away and not, not coming back until he sucked. He never quite sucked. He got banged up. He had his ribs on like every rib in his body busted this year against the Niners. It is, I, I will say this breeze. I made my list, Cullinane. I know you probably have yours in your head. I made my list of all time, great quarterbacks, which is by the way, used to be the number one fallback device in talk radio. Slow day. Let's, let's rank the quarterbacks. I'll, I'll rush more. Let's do it. Right. Let's put the quarterbacks on Mount Rushmore. Well, Drew Brees, I'm going to say right here does not make it on Mount Rushmore. But he's close. But he's close. He's. I made my list, and I have him at number five all time. Want to hear kind of an odd? When I think of Breeze, I think of great numbers. You know, I think of just great production. He had five five thousand yard seasons. No other quarterback had more than one. Five five thousand yard seasons. He retires as the all time leader in passing yards. Brady's going to pass him in about four games next year, which is is a you know a quick one on Brady here. Think of the people Brady has outlasted 
initially it was like, I always mentioned Donovan McNabb is like 10 months older than Brady. He's been retired for 10 years and he was a pretty good quarterback, but he outlasted both Mannings, you know, his rival Peyton and Brayton's little brother. He outlasted now Drew Brees, but just all kinds of guys like, you know, Carson Palmer and, and Sam Bradford and all these contemporaries who were, I don't want to say rivals because they really weren't, but just guys who were decent quarterbacks, Pro Bowl quarterbacks at some point or another who are long gone. And Brady at 40, uh, what is he, 43, signing an extension, a four-year extension, by the way, uh, as everyone else is saying goodbye, including Drew Brees, who's walking away at 42. <laughs> He's 42. In the old days, that would be a freak. Drew Brees would be considered a freak, a guy who at the age of 42 came back and uh, went nine and three and led his team to the playoffs. That is remarkable. And we don't hear a lot of like the age. I mean, we've heard some of the age stuff recently with breeze, but we don't hear like the TB 12 esque like, what did he do to keep, you know what I mean? We don't hear any of that with breeze. No, I, I will say the one, uh, one great disappointment in drew breeze. And again, he didn't win enough. He won one super bowl. Yep. That's uh, they're just guys where, and he won zero MVPs. He never won an MVP. He won a Super Bowl MVP, and he he went to you know a million Pro Bowls. He went to thirteen Pro Bowls. He was first team All Pro once, once. He is he's like Charles Barkley or Karl Malone, who never quite could get to the top because Michael Jordan was in the way for Drew Brees. You know Peyton Manning and and Tom Brady were in the way, and Aaron Rodgers later in life were in the way. So he never was MVP. He never was going to you know, win multiple – he never won multiple Super Bowls, but I still have number five on my list. You can't ignore the gaudy stats and the uh, longevity, and it's just when you look at his bio, he just led the league in, in passing yards and completions and, and yards per game and, and a million other things over and over and over again, touchdown passes – uh, had an incredible career, walked away, I guess not on top, but uh, walked away before he had to, to limp away. Here's my list. You ready for my list? Yep. And this used to be controversial. Who's number one? It's no longer Tom Brady, number one, Peyton Manning, number two, Joe Montana, number three, Johnny Unitas, number four, Drew Brees, five, Marino, six, Aaron Rodgers, seven, Elway, Eight, Starback, nine, five, ten. That's my top ten. Wow. That's yeah. an interesting top ten. Give I guess we, we, Six, winning one, seven, doesn't... seven, seven, nine, seven, yeah. nine. <laughs> no Terry Bradshaw? That's that's the debatable aspect. Jeez, How do you know it isn't? Terry Brad I mean, if you want to look at stats, Bradshaw, name it, those guys sucked compared yeah. to today's quarterback. I realize it was a different game and he certainly won a lot. Nothing against him. He'd be in the top, whatever, twenty five somewhere. But I look at passers. You gotta be a great passer, you know, and I don't think Bradshaw or Namath would be great passers compared to Marino or Rogers or, uh, or, or certainly not Brady Manning or, uh, or, uh, you know, Montana, those guys are just great, much better passers. It's all about two things, passing and winning. Brady did them both better than anyone, but you know, Montana Manning, these guys were great passers and winners. And that's my list. And, you know, We'd, uh, who, who do you have uh, number four on your list? Number Colin? four, I would yeah. say uh, Peyton Manning would be somewhere in my number four. He only won two Super Bowls, right? So yes, Peyton Manning, number yeah. two. Uh, number two, I would put. Uh, that's a good question. So Brady's one. Gotta be Montana. See the Manning yeah, Montana. 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 Yeah. Only candidates for number two. Okay, then who's number three? Uh, hmm. Skill wise, let's. You know, I didn't watch him play, but Roger Staubach. Come on. 
you know. I love Rostov. Like, I, that's why I have him in my top 10. Not everybody does, but I love watching him play. Great athlete. And, you know, obviously went to Navy, missed a couple of years. And when I've met him, he's been so nice. He's a real gentleman, typical, you know, Navy guy. I love Starbucks. So he's definitely in the top 10. Great point. By the way, New Orleans is a great place to be a super, like to be a NFL football hero. But what a great football city. New Orleans. Have you ever been to a, a game at the Superdome? I, of course I have. I've been oh to my. Super Bowls. You know, the that place, a, a, a Saints, I went to a Saints Falcons game, rivalry matchup. Unbelievable atmosphere there. So for him, that that must have been just he's gotta be just an absolute legend, obviously after Katrina and everything too. It but. is I, I think and, and he will go down as the greatest free agent signing in NFL history. Uh he was obviously with the Chargers when they drafted Rivers and made their choice um and went with which was fine. I mean he was a had a damn good career. Another guy, Brady outlasted Philip Rivers, another Hall yep. of Famer. He will be in the Hall of Fame someday, but uh, he'll go in before Brady, because, because Brady is still playing and you got to have that, I think, maybe they'll waive the five-year thing like they did for, you know, Roberto Clemente. Waive the five-year waiting period and let Brady in. He's so He's been so great. But I do think we'll always say, why did Breeze only win one? Kind of like with Aaron Rodgers, who's not done yet, but he's only won one. He wins one. Brady wins seven. There's just a great gap, a great divide there, and never won an MVP, which is pretty odd. But he's a, obviously a first ballot, unanimous Hall of Famer. Congratulations to Drew Brees. This is Denny Somak, host of The Rock Podcast. I'm a producer, author, and rock historian, and I want to share with you some of the greatest stories in rock and roll. Well, Bonzo was the best hard rock drummer. Ever, hands down. I mean, no one comes within a mile of him. And I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. John Lennon had this wise guy look on his face, just like me and my friends were just a bunch of wise guys, street kids. The first guitar I ever had was a um, Spanish guitar, and I couldn't really get the hang of it. I was only 13. I had never written a song before, actually, and uh, so Jim says, okay, everybody go home and write some songs, you know. And so I went, went home and wrote Light My Fire. Join me. For The Rock Podcast, the only podcast that matters. From Podcast One or wherever you get yours. And by the way, I want to be the first to congratulate, before we go here, I want to be the first to congratulate um, Megan Markle. Oh, you know, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. Now that I, uh, obviously, you know, that I believe that everybody in the, in the royal family was worried that the kid, you know, little Archie was going to be striped or something, which is so... When you think about what she charged, and I'm I'm a Piers Morgan guy all the way. She's a liar. She's full of it. She's an egomaniac. And I think we're learning more now. You're sitting there watching this beautiful woman. And again, I know you think that uh, Harry's a looker, but Harry's a goofy-looking, red-headed British guy with bad teeth. And Meghan Markle's a beautiful American actress. So you're going to look at these two, and you're going to say, oh, God, I hope the kid's not too dark. That makes it just an absurd accusation. Maybe they said, I wonder if the baby will look like her, or I wonder if the baby will look like him. And like all guys, you joke around to you, you know, to the guy and you always say, you know, when they tell you they're having a baby, you say, God, I hope she looks like her mother or I hope he looks like her mother. That's just what you do. Nobody looked at the kid and said, oh, I wonder if it'd be too dark. She's gorgeous and she's not dark. She doesn't even, I mean, I, I, I guess, you know, we know she's of mixed race, but there's a reason she's sitting there. She's beautiful. That's why he picked her to be his princess. <laughs> anyway, the story over the weekend, if you missed it, and I laughed out loud, 
it's being reported by lots of different people today. I got the uh, New York Post in front of me, page six. I'll just read you the lead and see if you can see if uh, you can get through it without chuckling. Meghan Markle is reportedly already networking with senior Democrats to help her ambitions to become the first female U.S. president. The Duchess of Sussex previously told friends about her political ambitions and now hopes her blockbuster Oprah Winfrey interview will strengthen support in the U.S., sources told the Mail on Sunday newspaper. She has been openly networking among senior Democrats who helped build fundraising teams and a campaign for the White House, according to a senior UK politician. <laughs> She's uh, exploring a, it says, Megal is thought to be looking at the 2024 campaign if President Biden, who will be 82, decides against running for a second term. She's talking about running against Kamala Harris. That'd be so great. I want to encourage this. I was wrong about you, Megan. You, you're, you're a wonderful person. You have a big heart. What they're doing to you is wrong. Stay in LA, network, <laughs> fundraise, you know, get get all your friends, famous friends, Oprah and, you know, Gail King and all the rest of them. Get them, you know, in your corner and run, baby, run. And Kamala Harris backed her after this interview, right? Didn't she tweet out she, something or said something? I believe she I know the white, the white House did. The spokesman did. They, you know, of yeah. course, you know, they're, they're against against racism, and this was clearly racism. Even no, though but how fun would it be? She she tweets out her support of Meghan Markle and Prince Harry after the Oprah interview. Then Meghan Markle runs against Kamala Harris, and she just goes dirt like she gets dirty, calls out the Oprah interview. That oh, would be fantastic. This fantastic. would be so great. I mean, clearly, I think. If this is true, and I have no reason to doubt it, um, uh, by the way, they talked to her biographer and friend who claimed that the former actress has her eyes set on the U.S. presidency. His name is Omid Scobie. Yep. Biographer and friend. They wrote a book about her and claims she's always been interested in running for the White House. This is so great because, um, first of all, um, she, this would answer all the questions. I mean, we talked about her being a narcissist. Yep. and marrying you know harry just so she could be a princess so she could be royalty she could be fabulous i mean rich and and famous beyond her wild dream wildest dreams and then play up this whole riff where she moves to la and moves to america and complains about the racist royal family as prince philip is on his deathbed she is a raving narcissist she is so uh, uh ambitious that it's not enough to be a princess and be you know whatever a billionaire to, she must. She wants to be the most powerful woman in the world. She wants to be president, and I encourage you. Go, Megan. Go. This would be great. I, I mean, believe I that. Know. I believe She's, that before Oprah, and I believe that on steroids watching Oprah. Like, it, 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 you can just see the writing on the wall with her. Remember, even she was like uh, sharing. Remember when she was? This is probably like the last genuine Meghan Markle moment in life. She remember she like made a. Uh, she wrote a letter to like Ivory after seeing a commercial or something like that. And people were obsessing over it. Like she was this activist at such a young age. Right. She's, you know, all this stuff. And she probably hit some certain mark in her life where she thought she was onto greatness. There's then, nothing more disingenuous than her saying she just wants to be away from all that, you know, the limelight. She wants to be out of the limelight. She loves the limelight. I will say this. She's articulate because you know she's an actress. And uh, even that interview, even when she was lying, she was pretty articulate. She's, she's not dumb. She's cunning. And she is... <laughs> She's made it, man. She's even if she, you know, even if their marriage falls apart, she's going to be fabulously wealthy, living in a fifteen million dollar home in in what is it, Moncito? 
Yeah, uh, Santa Barbara. Have to have, they'll have to have their titles stripped, right? Because you can't run for president and being the what is it, the Duchess? Yeah, that that, that would be very, very un-American. Yeah. So like, what they're trying to do is they're they're run they're doing the Oprah in, uh, interview, doing hit hit interview after. Well, they're not going to do multiple interviews, but every allegation in the book, so that the royal family takes away their titles from them, so that they don't walk away from their titles. Oh, they, and they, then they, I mean, this is away. just this. These people are in their glory. These tabloids and these. Oh. Tabloid shows in London. I know Piers Morgan walked off the set and quit his job because he wouldn't apologize to Megan, which I believe. Um, and I'm, I'm a Piers Morgan guy 100% now, not always, but now. And uh, he's right. She's totally full of it. What do you call it? Bilge. Oh, yeah. Acceptable bilge coming out of her mouth, which is so true. She's just so full of it. And Andrew, I mean, not Andrew, Harry is the most henpecked, whipped pathetic man i mean i know he i know he was a military guy and, and and everyone likes him but god he's pathetic she has just got him by the ring in his nose and she's controlling his whole life and it's kind of sad but he's, he's sick you know that's what he would like. be the first first gentleman he would if she when she when she becomes president <laughs> harry harry would be the first gentleman how great would that be by the way Here's did you uh and, and listen at least he, he didn't do it i mean he did it like days after but piers morgan hawking his book left and right this weekend i mean he doesn't have a job anymore he's got to do something but he had a book he, he released a book in october of 2020 right. so he didn't like i almost thought he did that because he is such a performance artist himself that he would have right. had like he would have just gone to his office and wrote like an ebook to sell immediately following he, i will say this i you know i i am on his side 100 percent. she's full of it he's right but walking off the set is so lame. It's wrong. You can't, you don't do that. Pierce, you stay there and you make your case. You don't walk off the job. I, I um, love that. I, I don't understand why you, even I, with the Tangway thing, I don't understand. I've why never, I've never yeah. walked off. I've had plenty of guys walk out of the studio with me in there, but I've never even thought about walking off. You don't walk off. That's pathetic. That's gutless. <laughs> that's and, like, and, uh, that, that's and, like, and by the way, when yeah. Tangway did it at, at my old place, the general manager wanted to ban him forever because he said, "You don't ever do that." And oh, he's right. Me. We had to go in there and uh, we had to go in there and plead and say, "You don't understand, Gary's. You know, he's a good guy and all that," and beg for the. Oh, let him back. That, that was and then, and we, and so. Let me finish. Let me finish. They let him back, and he does it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was I, I don't even remember all the like everything around that but i feel like if you're walking and you're actually pissed off that was tangway's way of like punching you in the face but he couldn't he just physically couldn't do it in the studio no it's it's a tangway of saying i got nothing left in this debate this war of words you know this battle of ideas so i'm going to walk off and by the way our producer chased him into the parking garage with a, yeah. a recorder yep. and he flipped out at that too but we got him back and then he walked out again and then there was no returning from that. And, yeah. and, and Pierce Morgan, I could understand if his boss, whoever the, whatever general manager, that TV network, whatever ITV, if they say that's the Cardinal sin, you broke it, you violated it. You're gone. I understand that he should have stayed there. I mean, wasn't that guy was debating like a weatherman or something. He was. Yeah. And, and Pierce, let a weatherman chase you out. Who, who are you? Andrew Cuomo. You let a weather person, you know, chase you out of your job. That's pathetic. Yeah, the difference is Piers Morgan doesn't need that job. I would assume Gary in those moments needed that, and and that was probably a bad move by Gary to do so because he could have risked you know being let go unless you fought unless you had his back. Piers didn't need it, and so he can performance act his way you right. know all the way to Hollywood if he wants to in that moment. And, so, and, and, and he knew way, what he was doing. Tang, eventually Tangway made his way back too. So eventually people you know.
Yeah, now he's Andy Gresh's hype man for a weather <laughs> weird ass reason. Even though you know, it just even though Gresh took over for it's a weird, yeah, weird thing. But, All right, we you know I was gonna we don't have time to do Cuomo. We'll do it again tomorrow because every day there's a new accuser or two or ten or sixteen or whatever, and there will be more. It's fun watching uh, Andrew Cuomo on life support, just squirming and begging for his job. Uh, we'll stay on top of that. And, uh, and, and I'm sure there'll be more to, more to say tomorrow. We never got to a rod and J Lo. We need to find out the truth there because we heard they were breaking up. I was heartbroken. I cannot believe I was crying, literally crying. And then a rod said, Oh no, it's not over yet. And then I was smiling. I was happy. It was quite the roller coaster ride, but we don't know yet if a rod and J Lo now, I thought those two kids would be together forever. I, I can't oh, believe man. they even Peak I romance. can't even believe they hit a rough patch. Yep. But they did. Peak and, romance. J Lo isn't a part of A Rod's scheme to win the heart of America over again. You know what I mean? Like it's just he's just the worst. The worst the, of the worst. On that, on that we agree, Colin Ain, he is the worst. He is the phoniest. I if you had to you want to sit down and have a live interview with him and you want to stump him, ask him. When uh, what are da his daughter's birthdays? How about yeah, that? What's your daughter's birth? What grades are they in? I guarantee he does not know. He does not care. He has kids. I guarantee they're not part of the deal. He is so into his fame. He's worst. Meghan Markle should be with a Rod. That would be the power couple of all time. Two raving narcissists who don't care about anyone but themselves, who will lie and cheat and steal and take drug, whatever it takes to get ahead. Those two, that would be America's now, and I can be. This is this couple. is me. I can be objective. By the way, he actually is good on baseball analysis. I agree. So that's no, I agree. Yeah, yeah. You can be objective. There. I hate him. I don't watch baseball, so I have no need for it. But he is good at it. I agree, and, and they and they got rid of the what's Jess uh, Jess what's her face right Mendoza. That's right. Isn't Mendoza. Didn't they get rid of her? Run off, I didn't right? watch last year. I had no interest in baseball last year. But he's still doing the games, and she's not correct. Yes, that is correct. That's correct. You don't even know. You're just making that up. But um, yeah, which yes. is good because I felt like every time she was in there, she was holding him back. And I'm with you. I don't like him at all. But he's good at it. Yep. He's not as good as Schilling was. Schilling was the best. But you know, and just played. He played even even while he's doing that. Something he's good at. He can't help but like play everybody like a friggin' fiddle. He's got to work for Fox Sports and ESPN at the same time, which nobody does. It's like the height of arrogance. This asshole. I just I hate that guy. I just and hate you him. know what? He could I, I, he could have really no affection for J Lo. It wouldn't matter. She works. She serves his purpose. You know, the whole power couple. He's hoping they catch him on the beach. You know, in Saint Bart's holding hands and it gets in all the tabloids and. Gets on TMZ. That's his goal in life, to be super famous and, you know, be in the middle of all the action. And he, he'll never go away. He's the anti-Marvin Hagler. He'll be 79 years old and he'll still be, you know, uh, dating someone famous. And he'll still be doing this, uh, be at this awards show. Or where was he? Uh, was he at the Democrat convention? Oh, he was at the inauguration. The inauguration. Was, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, he was probably at that too. He was at the inauguration. And he was front row center at the freaking inauguration. You're going... God, he's like, he wants to be in the middle of everything. Oh, he wants everything. And not just like wants to be in the middle of everything for the camera's sake. He then like, he's got to be like this Tony Robbins guy one day. Then he's going to be the sports right. analyst the next. Now he's this real estate investor. That he is the worst of the worst. But like right yes. now. Yes. On that, Colin A, we agree on that. We will wrap this up because, uh, man, we, we did have a lot more to get to. But, you know, there's always tomorrow. We'll see. Bill Burr gets canceled for that uh, wildly offensive remark about a piano solo. I mean, there's certain things that are sacred. You know, you don't make fun of someone's religion. You don't make fun of someone's spouse. 
and you don't make fun of a piano solo. That's just over the top, over the line. Bill Burr should know that. So we'll keep keep on top of that and see if the you know the Grammy committee, whoever puts a, the Grammys together, puts out a statement denouncing Bill Burr for his awful, offensive, over the top uh, statement about piano solos and about cisgender men. That's uh, offensive right. too. But hey, quickly before we go here, did, did, I remember we talked about this a few months back, but bringing it back to Breeze for one second, he is confirmed to be an analyst of some sorts with NBC now, right? Correct. Yeah, NBC. It was literally uh, last night because I forgot it and then I saw this commercial. It couldn't have been. I looked at the timestamp on uh, Drew Breeze's Instagram post with his kids. The time between he posted on Instagram and a commercial being on NBC was like less than a minute. It was like oh, right. it was all in sync of announcing Drew Brees' retirement and stuff like that. So I mean, I I he's, he's smart and articulate. I will say this, and I didn't really get into it. It will always be um, he unfortunate that that he was embarrassed by his teammates because he didn't support kneeling for the anthem. That's that last summer was off the charts, crazy woke stuff that was bizarre. When he said, I'll never support kneeling. I, both his grandparents were World War II vets. He's a big, you know, pro-America, patriotic guy. And he got eviscerated. His own teammates, Malcolm Jenkins, ripping him. I mean, this is Drew Bleep and Breeze, the greatest player in the franchise history. And obviously a Hall of Famer, a superstar. And he, all he said was, I would never support kneeling for the anthem. And they ripped him all his teammates around the league until he finally went on an apology tour. It was embarrassing. He kept apologizing. It was, it was like Chris Harrison just apologized over and begging for forgiveness, which they'll never give. That was part of his final season in the NFL. And I say shame on people like Malcolm Jenkins. What they did to this, to this guy was just wrong. And unfortunately, he took it. He apologized, and you know it's part of his legacy. He'll be good on TV. It's very small part of his. It's not going to impact him in any no, way. I just saw a whole report on it on uh, ESPN where they really? included and they included all the Malcolm Jenkins and all these other guys ripping. They're probably him. pissed off that he turned down their offer, and it's like a hit piece. You know what I mean? It was like, pathetic. Like, now it takes balls to stand for the anthem. It takes balls to stand up for your country. That's how crazy it has gotten. Now, Bill Burr's in trouble. For making fun of a piano solo, Cardi B and Megan Megan Stallion are superstars for rubbing their crotches together and and humping on the uh, stripper pole. That's <laughs> the state of this uh, this country right now, and it's kind of crazy. But hey, gives us something to talk about. All going to be better in 2024 with uh, President Markle. So we'll, we'll figure it out. We got <laughs> President Markle and uh, his, her running mate A Rod. That's yeah. what we're looking forward to. But uh, <laughs> we will leave it there. On this Monday, this freezing freaking cold Monday, I checked my temperature when I got up was 16. Feels like zero. Yeah, it was bad. Zero, and it's going to be spring in like three days. I hate the cold. I'm so sick of it. I don't even. I don't even know why I live here. But anyway, we will leave it there. This is the Callahan Podcast. I'm Jerry Callahan, and we will do this again tomorrow. Why am I stopping? No one else stops. I don't. I, can I go home? The Jerry Callahan Podcast. 
Finding suitable mental health medications can be a challenge. The GeneSight test may help. Did you know that genetics can play an important role in gaining insight on how a person may respond to various medications? Understanding this may help reduce medication trial and error. GeneSight is a genetic test that analyzes variations in DNA. It shows how genes may affect someone's metabolism or response to medications commonly prescribed to treat depression, anxiety, and other mental health conditions. Visit GeneSight.com for more information.